I have never personally watched a dead person come to life, but I have watched multitudes that were dead in their trespasses and sins enter into resurrection life, and that's even a greater miracle. But in Ephesians 2, as we left off, Paul starts out here with such an astounding statement. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know the tragedy about a person who's dead is they don't know they're dead. That's the problem in our world. Our world is dead and doesn't know it. And as I said to the group earlier, when we stand and we look at that cross, if you picture yourself standing at the foot of the cross and the, the arm or the branch that's going off to our left is pointing to our past life and that's where we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But as we realize our deadness and we realize our separation from God, we look away from the sin, we look up and the top of the cross is pointing us to the Savior. And as we look at the Savior and we gaze on the Savior and we're overwhelmed with His glory, the sin no longer is the issue. It's what He has done when He went to that cross to give us eternal life. And then we look at the, the arm or the branch that's pointing to our right and we see that it's pointing us forward not only to eternity but to whatever days of this life remain to fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives. You know, that was a symbol in Roman times of the execution of the worst of criminals. Never forget that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified on a cross that was made for another man. He was crucified on the cross of Barabbas. And Barabbas, who was a thief and a murderer, an extortioner, went free to illustrate what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us. And yet that symbol of the most cruel, agonizing death that a person could die is now to you and I a symbol of the glory and the grace of God. And so Paul says you were dead, but he made you alive. He says you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. This, of course, the spiritual kingdom of Satan, among whom we also, Paul includes now the Jewish believers with the Gentiles, once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. But here's the great conjunction of contrast, the greatest contrast in all of history. It's like when we look at the cross and we think of how the cross separates human history. Jesus Christ came into this world and split history in two. And every time we write a date or every time we see a date, like on a coin, as I was showing you, it's reminding us Christ invaded human history. But God, he says, who is rich in mercy, verse four, because of his great love with which he loved us, notice he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He loved us even when we were walking according to the course of this world, when we were under the power and the dominion of Satan, or as Paul says in Romans chapter 5, even when we were enemies, Christ died for us. Because of his great love with which he loved us, though we were dead in our trespasses, I 
ask you to notice again the three things I pointed out in the previous session. Number one, he made us alive together with Christ. And then that parenthetical phrase, by grace you have been saved. Secondly, he raised us up together. And thirdly, he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is salvation? When we use the word salvation, when we call people to come to salvation, when we offer to a lost and a dying world the salvation that Christ has purchased for us, what are we talking about? We're talking about those three things that God has done for us through the person of Christ by making us live with Him. We share His life. He has raised us up. We share His resurrection power. He has made us sit together in heavenly places. In other words, He has vested in us the rulership of his kingdom. How well are we caring for what has been vested in us, the kingdom of Jesus Christ? And so Paul wraps these three marvelous things together in the idea of salvation. And then he says in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he may show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus throughout all the ages and eons of eternity. We're going to see more and more and more of his grace and then he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Here's two words I want you to hang on to for just a moment, and they'll make more sense to you. What is salvation? Here's the first word. It's this. What do I mean by this? Those three things I pointed out in verse 5 and 6. What is salvation? It's this. It's being raised up with Christ. It's sharing His resurrection power. It's being seated with Him on the throne in heaven. And this is that. The that points to verse 8. What is this? It's that. By grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourself. See the little word that? That salvation. The summary of those three things is not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God. My friends, a gift can only be received.